a long face, Horace. I'm just having a little girl trouble. He's pressing charges. I get that a lot. Holden McNeil was setting his ways. The way he worked. The way he lived. And the way he thought love should be. But then, she showed up. Let me guess. You like her. This girl loves me. There's something you should know. She got a boyfriend. Well, no. Then what's to know, my friend? And this girl's got a secret that's going to drive him crazy. I like you, Hope. I'd really like us to be friends. What I tell you, she just needs the right guy. What's up? If you come pick me up, I'll be your best friend. Now, the only thing standing in Holden's way is the truth. I can't take this. Can't take what? I love you. Not in a friendly way. That was your pseudo date. Okay, I'm telling you, she's never even been with a guy. You're dating a guy? So what if it is true? You know you have no shot at getting her into bed. I take it that's not good. Miramax Films presents a comedy that tells it like it feels. She's been around and seen things we've only read about in books. So what'd you do last night? Got lucky. Chasing Amy. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Woo! Hi, listeners. Hello. We're back for another week. We're back. We're back. We've got a great show for you, everybody. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are the movies that made us gay. Yay! Welcome back to the show. Well, we've got a good episode today. Yeah. We've got a fun guest. We've got yes. an episode. A movie we haven't seen in a while. A very long time. But it was refreshing to... Uh, to revisit it, it. It was an interesting rewatch. We'll get into it. Yeah. But I let me agree. first introduce our guest. Yes. Our very do. good friend of the pod, Amber Shaw. Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you, guys. I'm very excited to be here. Well, you're very welcome to be here. We have a, re- a reception for you. I love it. Oh, there they are. There they are. So, yeah, we watched Chasing Amy from 1997, directed by Kevin Smith. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. I have not seen this movie in probably maybe 20 years. Yeah. What about you guys? I've watched it more recently. Um, it was kind of one of those pivotal movies for me when I saw it in college. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's probably been about six or seven years. Okay. And it was an important six or seven years, I realized, <laughs> oh, as I was watching it. Sure, I was like, sure. oh, some so things have changed. Do you remember yeah. first watching this movie? Do you remember what, where you were or any, any details of <laughs> the first viewing of it? I was on the fourth floor of the Bobst Library at New York University because they had a big film library where you could go and sit in a little like cubby and they would show you a movie. Oh, cool. Our, so, li- our yeah. library in college had that. Yeah, it was great. Yep. So that's what I would do in long gaps between classes is uh-huh. I would just go and catch up on movies I hadn't seen because I wasn't allowed to or they didn't make it to my town. Sure, right. What were your first impressions of it at the time? I, it blew my tiny little mind. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> I had only been living in New York for like six months at that point. And uh-huh. you went straight from like high school 
you're 18 years old to moving to yeah. New York City, wow. which is wow. fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. And I went to like a tiny Catholic high school in Texas yeah. and then just was moved to New York How to study parents, theater. Wow. How did your parents let you do that one? Um, they're real nice people. <laughs> <laughs> real generous, real understanding, supportive. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So it just like, for me, it was a, definitely a movie, not that you would know it from the trailer mm-hmm. that was unlike anything I'd seen. Right. Because mm-hmm. it, you know, definitely discussed things in a different way and moved it's in a different sold way. When you listen to that trailer that we played, like it's a generic romantic comedy. Right. Like And it, it is everything but a definitely. generic romantic comedy. Yeah. Pete, do you remember first watching this movie? Uh I do. I saw it in the theater. Um because I'm Old. <laughs> and uh, I saw it in the theater. I saw it at the Sunset Five. I love the Sunset Five. In Hollywood. Have you been to the Sunset Five? I have. It yeah. Was a, yeah, it was a fun little indie theater at the time. We thought we were very cool and sophisticated going to Hollywood for this movie. I, was, I mean, we were young when this came out. What year did this come out? 97. Yeah. Released April 18th of 1997. So I was 19 when this movie came out. And uh, I saw it in the theater. And I was... It was so funny... You know, like the humor in this movie was so fresh for the time. Mm-hmm. There were jokes in there that were just like, you didn't s- see this kind of humor in movies. You know, uh, it referenced pop culture, it referenced, you know, comic book culture, uh, all that stuff. And it had this like gay storyline in it. So to me, it was just like, oh, wow, this is big and this is like important um yeah we'll talk about some of the oh uh, there's a lot to break down in this yeah. movie oh, so much some like the there's attitudes a lot and yeah i mean it's it's aged you know it's been a long 20 years you know what i was just thinking <laughs> and uh the episode that is going to have come out before this is yeah. object of my affection right Ooh. Two big studio movies that revolve around gay characters. Yeah. 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 And the straight people that love them. And the straight people that <laughs> love them. Yep. But yeah, so it was a brief uh, trend in the 90s. Oh, I mean, and by the way, I also have not seen this movie, and I want to say, maybe about 10 years. I may have seen it, revisited about 10 years ago. I did have a, a love affair with Kevin Smith and the View Askew universe. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, like, I was yeah. pretty obsessed with the movies, and all the evening with Kevin Smith yeah. are on my iPod to this day. Like, yeah. I listen to them. I listen to his podcasts. Like, I was deep in it. Sure. And this was have kind you, of my intro. Have you gone to a live uh, with him and Ralph? I have. Okay. So, if you go back to an old Hollywood Babylon, like, there's a shout out to me because I went on my birthday. Oh, fun. Oh, that's nice. Cool. Yeah. Was it at the Lovitz Theater? At it City was. Oh, that's cool. how long ago it was. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I have always had a very take it or leave it attitude of Kevin Smith. Sure. It's not that I don't like Kevin Smith. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I must have rented this movie when I worked at the video store. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen it since. And that what was it? probably 2003 when I rented it. Okay. And yeah, I remember... What did you think at the time? I remember thinking it was just bizarre. Because <laughs> I think it was one of those things that I had seen the trailer. Yeah. And it's one of those instances that the the movie is nothing like how the trailer is cut. Right. Too. Right. So, yeah. 
I don't know what I thought of it then, and I really don't know what I think of it now. And I feel like this is a good movie to choose for the podcast. Like, like we just did Object of My Affection, and this movie, there are two very specific moments of the later half of the 90s that examined uh, gay characters. Yeah. And problematic? Possibly. <laughs> Maybe we'll, a little. We'll get into it more. <laughs> but yeah, but kind of my relationship with Kevin Smith, it's 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 always been a very take it or leave it. Right. I always enjoy listening to his interviews and stuff. Yeah. Whenever he does, whenever he's guested on podcasts that I listen to or uh, just kind of his interviews in that uh, Superman documentary were really good. Do you remember those? Yeah. The death of Superman. The death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's my relationship with Kevin Smith. I mean, I think no matter what, it's it's always been a unique voice. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that's admirable. Like he's not making, you know, a reboot or I mean, he's rebooting his own stuff. But, right. <laughs> but and even, in between that, he was also making kind some, of a commentary yeah. on. Hollywood trying to reboot properties too, right? Right. Isn't it? It's kind of like self-referential. Yeah. I had completely forgotten that there's a Kevin Smith cinematic universe too. Yeah. That all of these movies, at least from this period, are all connected too. Yeah. And all starting with Clerks and Mallrats and, and these characters kind of living I have a in confession. this version of New Jersey. I've never seen Clerks. <gasps> what? I know. You work in it's retail weird. and yeah. you've never I seen Clerks? I know it's Clerks? weird. Yeah. And now I just feel like I just missed it, so it's just like, I, why do I even bother? No, I think I think that one holds up. Like I think, okay. yeah, the script holds up. Yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like if nothing else, it's an impressive feat that they got it done for thirty eight thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, it is, and it'll it'll speak to your retail soul. <laughs> I mean, it definitely put independent cinema on the map. Yeah. In the 90s, too. Yeah, for sure. And also, I feel a, like a big elephant in the room with all of these movies from this period is Miramax. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, they were on top of the world in the mid-90s. When you saw that, like, Miramax logo, you knew that you were in for, like, something special. Yeah. <laughs> and then all that came crashing down in 2017. I will say the the kind of balm to this is um, Kevin Smith, when all the Weinstein stuff was coming out, mm-hmm. has a, donated any residuals he yeah. gets off of his Miramax movies to like oh, Rain good. and oh okay, you know, that yeah pro women charities. Sure, that's that's good to hear. Um, so, what are our thoughts on? Kevin Smith in okay, so it's it's 2019. We're watching this movie filtered through our like woke lenses, and I mean, even at the time, he is a straight white male filmmaker writing a gay woman, you know, a gay black man, just female characters in general. I mean, how. How does it come across? How did it come across then? How is it reading now? I mean, it's it's interesting. This voice, because at least his voice for characters, to an extent, he's got that Kevin Williamson thing where the language is like, all right, nobody talks like that. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have in my notes that he's doing a very um, Richard Linklater before sunrise sort of thing with how uh, 
Like the back and forth? The back and forth and how they talk to each other. Yeah. I think that's kind of what he was going for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, like, I was looking at it through the lens of, like, the Woody Allen thing of there's always an avatar for Kevin Smith. Yes. Yes. There's always the Kevin Smith character. Mm -hmm. Not played by Kevin Smith, but talking in his voice. Right, right. So, and it's usually the Jason Lee character. (laughs) Even at the time, I remember just the movie opening and I'm just like, your two leads are Holden and Banky. I'm like, really, dude? Come on. Uh, and um, if there are any women out there or gay men, please, um, any man who is obsessed with Holden Caulfield, just run away. Yeah. Right? It's never worth yeah, it. It's not a Don't good, sleep yeah. with that guy. It's never going to end well. That's yeah. general life rule. Sage words. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's one thing that the the two names right off the bat at the very beginning of this movie it starts off at a comic book convention a quaint yeah I mean this small, is how this OG. is how yeah. comic book I mean also this is how comic book conventions used to be yeah before a late nineties comic book studios convention. like got on that money train well I have to say this actually would have been a graphic novel convention oh, would, this okay. is not a comic book convention because I feel like where I feel like where uh, what are the blank man and chronic? Blunt Those man are and chronic. Blunt man, blunt man. I'm sorry, blank, blank man. <laughs> blank man is Damon Wayans. <laughs> um, blunt man and chronic would have been, and also uh, idiosyncratic method. I feel like would have been like with Oni Press. They would have been at like at the graphic novel. Yeah, thing. I feel like and, it's and a and Strangers it in Paradise yes. kind of like that's what Alyssa's writing. Right. And... Yeah. For sure. Exactly. Um, and so we get this like quaint, you know, convention and right off the bat, it's like this character that's like rambling on and on, just like too deep you know, comic book knowledge. And he equates chronic, but man and chronic with Rosen Krantz and Gildenstern. Uh. And the two leads from Waiting for Godot. So yeah. he's referencing Hamlet and Godot in the first 30 like seconds. Yeah. We took oh liberal arts. God. We took liberal liberal arts classes too. Yeah, yeah. I get that reference. That was a little heavy handed yeah. right off the bat. It is the opening scene of the movie. It is Holden McNeil's like intro line. Woo! We have to know he's the smart one. Oh like, yeah, he's he's so smart. He's yeah, so much. Which is funny because I feel like the rest of the movie, Ben Affleck just comes across as a dummy. Oh boy, oh, this character. Yeah. Oh my god, what a dipshit. Yeah, that goatee. The whole hair situation was oh unfortunate my God. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was I was trying to unpack Ben Affleck's hair journey throughout yeah. his career. Yeah, I don't. Because yeah, when know you what's going see this, it's very Jersey bro. I mean, like, it was '90s. It was big hair. Yes. You know, it's like it was just big. Fluffy, and then this is also straight like, guy hair. This is also like the Cinderella story of Ben Affleck. That oh, he, he got have, money. He didn't have his teeth capped yet. He got he, money. He had those little yeah. baby corn teeth this whole movie. I was like, oh, mo- oh man. <laughs> Thank God those, he got those caps. He got those teeth capped for <laughs> yeah. Armageddon, and he was like, it was like a Cinderella story. Yeah. Oh, he no, turned I definitely into, clocked that, yeah. too. To, to leading man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, though. This wardrobe on him, he was just swimming in these clothes. Oh. From scene one, like From that T-shirt scene was one. a four XL if it was anything. I mean, I wore my share of cardigans in the nineties, but this sweater that he was wearing, it was not cute. Baggy khakis, three they, layers sometimes. Yeah, multiple layers. They thankfully they were not pleated khakis. Oh. I mean, thank God there was someone on on, on <laughs> wardrobe that was like, nope, 
flat fronts all the way. He had his his three hole brown docks, Doc Martens, very pointy. Um, yeah, he had some he had some wardrobe issues. Uh, I do have to say though, at the time, and I don't know, maybe now, but at the time, the Jason Lee character, Banky, also a Catch and Larry character name. Um, was a standout. I thought he was funny. He definitely has anger issues. It's one of those <laughs> things that, like, at least they call out yeah. that his character has issues yeah. in the screenplay. Yeah. yeah. So I do kind of let that slide. Think that we had, like, a running tally of when they dropped faggot. I got at least five times. There were, there were six. There, there were six? six? According to okay. my count. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so at least the movie, like, calls that out. And it's, like, a character note that... He's a little homophobic. Well, yeah, because Holden, when he does start dating Alyssa, then he becomes like super woke. Yeah. (laughs) Super woke, but in that... And the thing I found the most interesting is I feel like you could take Alyssa Mm -hmm. out of that movie and put her in a movie right now and not have to change too much of her dialogue. Yeah. And it would still be relevant Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And but and you could also take some of Holden and be like, oh yeah, it's those quasi woke. Yeah, I want to present myself as the nice guy. Yeah, yeah. So having gone on a hundred first dates at this point in the last four and a half years, <laughs> um, it's still an attitude I see a lot. Sure. So mm-hmm. there are definitely things in his character that are. Ooh, so aged badly. Yeah. But there are still things where I'm like, yeah, I've had that conversation in the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess we should just get... I do want to address uh, Alyssa's intro in this Yeah, in this I movie. have that in my notes that Alyssa has a really awkward introduction. Well, it's this thing where they kind of, like, try to, like, pan up her to like give it like a full body like shot as she's like speaking um but it's i don't know it's i guess we can just give it to kevin smith was he 28 when he made this well, <laughs> well and he was dating her at the time too oh god that's such he? a weird couple oh, yeah so how do you swing that one i kind of love that yeah one. girls love a talented guy All i don't right, know yeah this movie also you can tell uh didn't you mention that there was budget issues with this movie yeah so because you you can tell when you watch the movie oh yeah it they in evening with kevin smith he talks about how this movie almost killed his producer scott Mosier. oh because they had no money and we're trying to like there's a lot of locations in this like they bounce around yeah and there's a lot of bodies and moving parts and just scott apparently was sleeping in his office and trying to find money and there just wasn't any because they didn't want to go with the miramax cast and they lost like fourteen million dollars by going with their own cast. Oh wow! I mean, how they lit those bars? They just had like one giant floodlight illuminating the three principal actors. Yeah, I mean, part of that could be seen as a choice. Maybe he didn't want to make it seem like those movie clubs that are just way too well lit, and he was like, "I want it dark." No, I mean, but it just came off really. When you have like a spotlight, it came off poorly lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so he's dating her. Wow, I totally forgot about that. Jeez, Louise. Um, can we talk a little bit about the cast that Miramax wanted? 
Yeah, so if I'm remembering correctly, it is David Schwimmer, John Stewart, and Drew Barrymore in the three leads. That's a very 90s cast, too. Right? Schwimmer for Holden? Yeah, Schwimmer for Holden, and then John Stewart would have been Banky, and oh then... Oh, my God. Yeah. It just... I don't like it. It it would have had a laugh track. Yeah. It's one like... of those things that I could I could see her doing it, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. But I, just, I feel I... like... Joey is the is the better I don't, choice for this role, I though. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't know. She, I, I had some problems with Joey Lauren Adams. The baby voice being like sure. at the top of the list. There, but, I mean, that's her. That's her signature bit. But if that's your signature bit, get a new bit, girl. I don't know. The, <laughs> the baby yeah. voice is killing me. And it does. It kind of just takes away some of the power of what you're trying to say, especially in the moments where you're having like a screaming argument in the yes. rain and it's like, okay, but you sound like you're five. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot of, like you were saying, Scott, the back and forth conversations, the like before, you know, sunrise moments where they're just kind of having banter and they're like back and forth. And she even says to him at one point, like she, she comments on his wit, you know, because they're being like cute with each other. Cause they're just kind of getting to know each other and all that. Every line she delivers with this like weird fucking grin on her face because she's just like, I'm being clever right now. And when you're clever, you have to make this face. So everybody knows you know, that you're being hilarious. And I'm, I didn't understand this, the weird facial expressions she was pulling to, like, deliver these lines. Um, I, I don't know. I just, she did not work for me. It was, I thought that in bothered. the scene in the car where they're coming back from the diner. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's angry, but it's one tone of angry. Oh, my God. Just by the facial yeah. expression. And yeah. there's not a lot, like not a lot else coming out of yeah that. her her big fight scenes where she's screaming at him it's just a din of like this level her voice was sc- the screaming that she was doing and it was like okay she's conveying emotion and she's going there right okay she's going there all right but it it was it was rough it was rough for me <laughs> because she was not there was it was all at one yeah. No, the entire time. Yeah, there wasn't a. There's not a lot of like build up mm-hmm. to. It's just we start at this level and we continue at this level for yeah. the entire scene. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. She's not working that much these days. <laughs> Jason Lee sort of had a career playing the best friend roles like this. He's either been the best friend in movies or like the father of chipmunks. <laughs> I mean. I'm going to just throw this out there. I had a huge crush on him during this era, which yeah. I think explains why I'm still single. Did he come from <laughs> skateboarding? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He yeah, strikes me skater. as a, he strikes me as a dirtbag skateboarder. <laughs> yeah. His story is that he's a pro skater and that he's just, yeah, I don't know how he transitioned to acting. I forget that part of the story. Maybe Kevin Smith just found Probably, him somewhere. Yeah. And was like, skater. Like he was friends with skater someone. slash Scientologist. Well, that's all in the past. Now. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's a Scientologist anymore. I don't think so either. I think he had a big falling out. Well, thankfully, mm-hmm. he's back. We got him back on our team, everybody. Um, all right. Well, there's a big Star Wars rant at the very beginning of this movie. Just of course there is. But again, that was kind of new at sure. the time. It was yep. the culture wasn't super saturated with like 
nerd culture and pop culture references and being cool for that. So it was like this little tiny movie had this crazy Star Wars rant about, you know, Darth Vader being black. And it was funny. And it was new. Yeah. And I mean, I... I'm not gonna lie, the "What's a newbie in line" still makes me. Giggle. Oh my god, so funny! His like I'm still great. in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think what's interesting too is, like, setting an already independent kind of niche film in an even more niche pop cultural market because, yeah. like, the graphic novel comic book world mm-hmm. was nothing back then. So you're yeah. you're literally setting it in a world that nobody is talking about, yeah. and not quite commercial. And that's probably why the Weinstein's didn't like this movie. Yeah. Among other reasons. Probably one being that uh, uh, moviegoers don't want to see movies about lesbians. <laughs> I'm sure that was a conversation. Oh, I'm sure. With, with Kevin Smith about this movie. Yeah. I mean, should we talk now about the fact that Joey Lauren Adams, well, Alyssa Jones in the movie, ultimately, can it be interpreted as saying that she decided to be a lesbian? I feel like we just didn't have the vernacular for bisexual at that right. point. Like, or it really or wasn't... like uh, gender fluid. Yeah, I feel like we were stuck in a binary even with yeah. like the LGBTQ community. Yeah. It was just... The explanations in this are and very... LG. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I feel like this movie would probably, like you're mentioning, might work better now. Yeah. Because it would yeah. have the dialogue to fall back on for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I feel like a lot of the points Alyssa's making are really relevant to the discussion today about like bi-visibility yes. and bi-erasure. Yeah. And also, like it kind of ties into the whole idea of you know, the double standard, slut shamey mm-hmm. Madonna whore complex. Like, mm-hmm. I could turn this into a woman study 101 rant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you guys would learn way too much about my life if I did that. You could do the shortened version of it. <laughs> but I still feel like that's a, the conversation she's having and the way she's having to defend herself right. happens mm-hmm. all the time. And I think it happens with by men, too. Oh, like, for sure, yeah. I've definitely gone out with my fair share of by men who almost treat it like they're telling me they have cancer and yeah. i'm like no dude it's cool yeah you know i i don't care yeah yeah but it's it i know it's a hard thing for people to kind of say because everybody does kind of want to put you in a box of one or the other yeah for sure the scene where uh she is telling her like little group of of girlfriends that's that she's seeing a boy they look at her like she the just... Lo- the look of shock. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and like disgust. the pouring one out for yeah. the, the <laughs> fallen lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, it you know, it's it's funny and it, there's there's a ring of truth to it. But the, it, like she, it, they look like she just told them, like, you guys, right. I just murdered my mother. Like the next <laughs> night at the lesbian bar, there's a memorial service for her yeah. and playing. her gay days. There's going to be a... A picture framed of her, and there's going to be like taps, yeah. right? Playing. <laughs> they set from one like of her the flannels DJ. on fire. Oh like. my god! <laughs> yeah, I I did like the scene where uh, what's what's Jason Lee's character's name? Banky. Banky and uh, Alyssa are trading sex war stories. Sure, because oh, it's yeah. like the Jaws scene. Yeah. Lesbians and straight guys can relate they can can (laughs) conversate they can bond over sex stories i kind of thought that seems cute yeah it is and i mean it again a conversation that you could absolutely have Mm -hmm. today and Mm -hmm. 
you know, it would totally work in a film. Yeah. Except for like the F-bomb that he drops at the beginning. Yeah. And they're all kind of casual about it. Even like the gay characters. But I mean, like at the time it wasn't, it was something that was not as forbidden. Yes. Yeah. So. And like I said earlier, the movie does call it out. That yeah. it's offensive, too. So you do have to give it credit. And Holden is friends with Hooper. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they have a, they have scenes together. Well, and I mean, this all kind of pays off in a really weird way if you then go and watch Jay and Silent Bob strike back and mm-hmm. find out that somehow down the line, Hooper and Banky become a couple. Oh, God, well, I forgot about I that. I was wondering <laughs> about... <laughs> I was kind of wondering that in the script, is the character supposed to be gay? Banky? Yeah. Because I, I feel like maybe that was just something that they wanted to explore, but they just couldn't do it. I I feel like it could have been done better because he yeah. also had so many of the like quintessential cis white het yeah. male yeah. lines that it's like, yes. yeah, I'm still hearing all of that bullshit today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the whole idea of him being like obsessed with Holden. And just being a little bit too far involved in Holden's life and his love life and all that. I don't know that Banky's in love with him. I don't think that Banky wants anything to do with Dick in general. I feel like it's more like a loss of attention. Yeah. It's that, yeah, yeah. It's that hanger on syndrome where like he's always kind of glommed onto Holden's yeah. popularity. And now if that's gone, who is he? Yeah, right, right, right. But that may be giving it a lot more credit than it earned. Poss- yeah, possibly, possibly. But yeah, I do I do have to say I did appreciate that they kind of went out of their way to show Holden with with Hooper and, and them just kind of having an actual just friendship, that they're just pals, you know. Um, I mean, that was just set up to illustrate that Holden is a little bit more of the woke one, you know, because yeah. he like tolerates like, <laughs> you know, 1997 <laughs> woke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 97 woke. Um, I was also just thinking, had there ever been any type of mainstream movie that discussed lesbian sex before this movie? I mean, I don't know. I can't think of one. I can't either. So, yeah. I mean, you have to give Kevin Smith credit for that. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's Kevin Smith is writing the script. So this did he do true. research? Did he like yeah. gather around all his best lesbos and was just like, all right, this ladies. Is why... I mean, I feel like it's more of the porn description of yeah. lesbian yeah. sex because I don't. I she mean, straight goes to fisting right. real quick. Like if that's the go to. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't think anybody opens with that. No. Do you think that this is a screenplay that he should have handed off to she didn't even necessarily have to be a lesbian, just a female screenwriter, just to do a passover of like I'm gonna I'm gonna help you punch some of this dialogue up in a kind of I mean, I don't know because I feel like the men are more problematic. Like the men's yeah. dialogue yeah. is more problematic. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. And I mean I do think he should have consulted a non porn lesbian to be like, <laughs> So what's lesbian sex actually like? Yeah. Because, again, and uh, 
I think the other thing that straight men don't realize when they're having this conversation with lesbian or bi women mm-hmm. is the more confused you are about how women can make other women come, yeah. the worse off you appear. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. so you've you've never made <laughs> totally. a woman yeah. come. Okay, cool. Yeah, seriously. So that's all I could think of during that scene, which yeah. is terrible. Well, yeah, because that's the whole thing. There's like this whole scene where he's talking to her about like, oh, well, if you've never been with a guy then you're, you're a virgin, virgin. <laughs> and he doesn't get it it's such a catholic school yeah like mind fuck yeah because i mean i don't i don't know about you guys but like i went to catholic school and it was that whole like oral is the loophole yeah. of the no sex <laughs> because you know it yeah. does jesus only counts it mm-hmm. if a penis goes into a vagina yeah intercourse yeah, exactly. And apparently so does Holden. Yeah. Like, he only counts it that way, too. I feel like, well, Kevin Smith mentioned, Silent Bob mentions growing up Catholic. Yeah. So that's Kevin Smith's background, so. And I mean, if you watch Dogma. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, we're all aware of, yeah. you know. I, I read something recently that I guess like a couple days before the news broke on Harvey Weinstein, uh, Kevin Smith said that he called him wanting to do another Dogma movie. Harvey called Kevin, yeah, and said, "Let's do Dogma 2? Yes, because then we I can get everybody mad about something else. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll deflect I mean, from I, my issue. Yeah, I don't know how they're if we get, get the Catholics deflect. mad about another. I don't dogma. know. I don't know how they're going to get Selma Hayek back. Uh, no, for you're Dogma not. Two, because that's not going to happen. Oh my god, man, that whole Miramax like, I mean that ba- that starting lineup. Yeah, I mean Ben Affleck, Matt Damon." were, like, the darling children of that studio. Yeah. They were, like, back in the day when, like, Hollywood had its, like, stable actors. Yeah. It was Affleck, Damon, Paltrow. Yeah. And Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Who I'm sure Renee Zellweger and Joey Harvey would just blur together as one. (laughs) You know, the blonde one. Get me yeah. the tiny blonde. The, the tinier the blonde. The weird voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> oh, man. Did 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 Renee Selwiger take all of Joey Lauren Adams' roles? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I could I could see her, like, probably reading for similar characters. I'm sure that Joey read for... Cold Mountain. <laughs> Cold Mountain, yes. Nurse Betty. Nurse Betty. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Jerry Maguire. Oh, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Empire Records. Mm-hmm. The superior movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know that, Empire like... Empire Records is one of my favorites. You know that, like, so good. little tangent, Pete and I have, like, 20 episodes of an unwritten Empire Records sitcom oh, yeah. in our we've, minds that we've uh, already... We've got, like, the entire first season. We have the whole like, first in the season can. in the I can. will <laughs> join that writer's room, um, whatever the needs Empire, to be done. The Empire Records sitcom, it writes itself. Yeah. I can still probably recite that movie from memory. Oh, yeah. It was one of the five VHS tapes in my freshman dorm room. Watched it all the time. I had it. I had the tape. I had the VHS tape. I probably bought it from Tower Records. <laughs> we need to I, pitch this to, like, uh, HBO... Um, yeah. The new HBO streaming service that has all the Warner properties on yeah. it. Yeah, our our um our sitcom for Empire Records was set before the movie, the events of the movie. So it was all the, all the cast was all there. Yeah, it was it's great. 
We'll we'll post I'm them fully on, on board. We'll post them on the Instagram. We'll put them in our stories. Yeah. I'll type them up. A little uh, <laughs> a, a little preview of one is um I feel like Deb and uh who's the Liv Tyler? Deb and uh who's who's the Robin Tooney? She's Deb. Okay, she's Deb and then what's Renee's character? Renee's character is um Renee Zellweger's character is Gina. Gina, Deb and Gina are fixing the Empire Records sign on the roof. They oh, yeah. get struck by lightning and change personalities. And personalities. <laughs> Sold. I'm in. Yeah. We need to make this happen. Yeah. I can't believe it didn't happen. <laughs> it, it still can. It still can. It still yep. can. We can recast it. You know, we, we've got it all. We've we've got plenty of ideas, you guys. We'll sell it to any 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 studio. <laughs> the bit, bidding war. Can if anybody's now. listening, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was our Empire Records minute. Um, okay, so let's let's get back let's get back to to this movie, the script, um, the big opening reveal. Uh, so apparently, um, Alyssa used to front a band. Sure, and she's brought up on stage, which thought it was interesting. She's introduced. On stage by Guinevere Turner, who wrote American Psycho. What? I, I just read that. That's interesting. Oh. It is. Yeah. thought that was kind of bizarre. And then she comes up for the longest musical yeah. number. Oh, my We're God. Seeing this the film. entire song. We're seeing song. this entire song. I'm, I'm waiting for the knowledge that there's a secret Joey Lord and Adams album that I was supposed not. to be released in conjunction with the film, and that was going to launch her music career. Yeah. Otherwise, why did we have to hear that whole song? That voice? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, it was a lot. They could have cut it. It's long. Well, and uh, not only did we get... Were we treated to her to her sultry, sexy singing voice, but we got Ben Affleck just, like, creeping us out. Yeah. Like, singing or, like, dancing, like, right to her. Oh, my God. That was a lot. Yeah, here's where I lose all of my, like, 90s girl cred. I have never found Ben Affleck attractive. <laughs> and watching this movie now, it's like, oh, no, I was right. Yeah. Yeah, this was good on me. Yeah. I was, I was more into Matt Damon. Same. There's a brief Matt Damon appearance there in this movie. There is. I, I, I feel like when I saw this in the theater, I did not know who he was because it was 97. Why would I? You, you weren't a big Courage Under Fire I fan? I wasn't a big Courage Under Fire School Ties, was he you in didn't that? You did see Mystic mm, Pizza. School Ties. Matt Damon is in Mystic Pizza. Yes, yeah. Jeez Louise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I was I was not aware that he was in that. But yeah, there's some there's some definite creeper moments with, with Ben. We're going to get some images of that and put it on the Instagram. Ben's goatee. Like, that dirtbag goatee. Everyone knows a guy that had a goatee like that. But you know what? In this movie, the facial hair situation, which is questionable, but I have to say, he was cleanly shaven everywhere else you know the rest mm-hmm. of his face but like guys who had that goatee in the 90s they would shave have the goatee for like a day then the rest of their beard would come in and just be gross <laughs> over it they would never keep it up properly i did not appreciate it in this movie and it only called attention to the baby corn teeth that and just like the weak chin like that goatee always makes me think like what what's the chin situation hiding? under here? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's uh that's what that's why so many men are so happy that beards are in, have been in fashion for the past ten years. Oh totally. <laughs> like, thank God. Um I also want to mention oh, what did I what were we Oh well song? when they when they kiss, there's like a like a siren that goes off. 
Yeah. Did you notice that? Yes. Like, and oh, kind of keeps the, going. It, it, it's the lesbian siren. Well, I think it's part of the song yeah. in the movie, but it's very like Kill Bill Siren. Well, it's interesting because they do the siren effect in that moment when he's getting that revelation that, oh, this chick I am in love with is a lesbian. Yeah. And there's also the heartbeat noise yes. later on when he's gearing up to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just some of the sound choices and music choices in this one, like yeah. they really stood out to me this time. Where yeah. I'm like, why are we listening to calliope music while they're having a fight? <laughs> yeah. I, the When they were having the argument at the ice rink and like the hockey players would like punch each other as like one of them would like get in like a verbal jab. It was like, all right, Ken Smith, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was a little like a little heavy handed. I get it was like probably just artistic little turns, but yeah, they stood out so much. A lot of the cutaways this time really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, like in this in the jaws scene where they're discussing their various sex wounds yeah and then it cuts away to yeah. very brief shots the of black those and moments white. Yeah. where it's like okay i don't i understood what they were talking about yeah exactly did we need that yeah true um what do we think about this woman who identifies as gay calls herself gay the entire time identifies as a lesbian just kind of going like okay i'll I'll date you, dude. You know? Yeah, that's why I kind of think her character is just kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's like, I really don't know what to make of her. Because it seems like she starts very different to where it goes. I feel like they try to explain it and it just either needs a defter hand or a little bit more explanation. But when she does decide to kiss him and she really explains, like, if I make this choice to be with you... I am making a choice about who I am, how I present myself. And again, it is that idea of like, if the term bisexuality had been around and if it were also more acceptable and if she hadn't known that like she would be kicked out of the lesbian club for saying it, (laughs) you know, like it would have been an easier transition, but it was kind of clunky. Yeah. And they're just like we'd mentioned before, there really wasn't the dialogue for that in popular culture right for stuff like that so we really can't expect kevin smith to sort of pull that out in this movie no and i I feel like that's why watching it in 1999 when i saw it Mm -hmm. was kind of a mind fuck of just like whoa yeah you can there are so many options yeah and you know i that's the part of Alyssa that i feel like still really works too is just like her wanting to explore the depth and breadth of her sexuality right but it, I mean, it is kind of inherent to the person, though, because like she was telling Holden, which is the big, you know, like, when did you know you were gay moment? And it's like to ask a straight person, yes. like, well, when did you know you were straight? When did you know you weren't gay? You know, when did you start liking women? You know, to ask like a straight man. I got in so much trouble in religion class in high school for asking, for asking somebody that, that, you know, and um, it's kind of like, well. If she's able to just be like, well, okay, I'm open to everybody because I'm not going to close myself off to a gender just because those are societal norms. I mean, that's not just a decision. Yeah. That's her, you know, because Holden is not going to just be like, okay, well, I've got a great relationship with Banky. Why don't the two of us just go and get fucking married? You know, (laughs) like it's it's. 
it's the whole like i don't know not nature versus nurture but it's like are you how are you born that way you know it's like it's it wasn't a decision she made but that's how she's articulating it yeah to him or at least that's how the character is introduced yeah too and I, again, I just feel like nobody had the language at the yes, time to yeah. do mm-hmm. it right. Yeah. And that's one of the scenes that would have to be go through the most rewrites if we were going to bring it into 2019 is yeah. that scene, scene on the swing set where they're discussing virginity and mm-hmm. sex and, and relationships and how she defines herself. Like yeah. that, that scene right there is one of the most problematic yeah. just because there wasn't a good way to say right. what needed to be said. And the scene in... in when they're in the bed. Yeah. And it's like night. It's like dark. And she, that's when she's really just like, well, one day I just thought, like, yeah. <laughs> why close myself off to this, you know? Um, and at the time, I don't, re- I don't specifically remember f- feeling weird about it. But I do remember at the time in, you know, 97 being like, 19 watching this movie and going well I do have my fair share of lady friends (laughs) who if they were to have just been like hey I'm in love with you I wouldn't have gotten out of the car and walked away but I also wouldn't have just fucking started making out with them either (laughs) right Right. yeah (laughs) I mean I feel like there's been so many studies and it's kind of understood that like female sexuality is a lot more fluid and all of that great stuff yeah but even still like i mean if one of my female friends hit on me then it it would it would be a conversation of well you know yeah like i i tend to date men yeah (laughs) um this would be disappointing for you let me let me but take a night to think about it. Right. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Let me take five minutes to walk in the rain and try and hitchhike. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> then, with no then cars on the road. <laughs> come and give it a try. Yeah, yeah. So I remember at the time feeling like, well, I don't know if this ring is true to me, but is this pushing that like like straight male agenda of, well, you know, all women are kind of secretly bi anyway. <laughs> well. I think what's problematic is, again, coming from a straight white male director mm-hmm, writer, mm-hmm. the fact that in this movie where she does make that decision and then you have another character say that all any woman needs is a good deep dicking, yeah. like that's right? where the problems yeah. really yeah. come from is like you're kind of reinforcing that idea yes. by having her do that. Yeah, that she just needs to find the right guy. Right. And the right guy is holding. Like I'm, I'm Ben Affleck's a great looking guy. I'm one of his last defenders. You know, in 2019, I'm very much like he's a fucking tall, <laughs> fucking drink of you water. Miss, you miss Benifer. I miss <laughs> Benifer. I miss yeah that that music video where he where he kissed her ass on the. Yacht. I, I every now and then I'll I'll pop in Gone Girl just for that one scene in the shower. Yep. At the end, you know, but um, in this movie, he's a little doughy. You know, he's a little, he's, he, he just kind of looks super average. That and his just every time he's making a like sexy face or oh, a, I love you face yeah. made me real Creep. uncomfortable. Creep. Real uncomfortable. And can we talk about after this, after the scene in the ice rink when they do have like their major blow up, not the I love you, how dare you tell me that blow up, but the how many guys have you fucked scene. And she's like, 
oh, don't touch me, leave me alone. He grabs her arm, and he is a large gentleman. Yeah. He's like 6'3", 6'4", Ray, and Joey Lauren Adams is like, a, you know. That scene really hit me yeah. this, this time, time. Yeah. in a way that it hadn't before. Yes. And again, I think it's just life experience yeah. and where we are at now. Yeah. But it, God, that accusation yes, and that that's... slut-shaming yes. tone and that mm-hmm. total overpowering, yes. like, that scene made me so sad because... and so angry this time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what it, it, he was just slut shaming her. That's all he was doing. And but, when she called him out on yes. it, yeah. he was just like, well, I was going to say, well, fuck least... off. How many guys have you fucked? Like, he's, yeah. he was not backing down. He was holding his ground on slut shaming. And he's a big guy and he's aggressive. And you know, Ben Affleck has a temper. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, man, this is all kinds of weird. Yeah. What I was going to add to that scene, I do like that Alyssa does call him out and she will not be slut shamed as she's like yeah. screaming yeah. at him. But well, yeah. and again, and I feel like that's a perfect example of a conversation that could be had in a movie mm-hmm. in 2019 yeah. or a conversation I had a month ago with a guy. <laughs> and it is, it's just like, I shouldn't have to lie about my experiences yeah. or my number or yeah. whatever it is to make you feel more secure with what's happening yeah. in this relationship right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's interesting that we all kind of had that same reaction to that scene because it was it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, <laughs> when uh, I know we're bouncing around, but there's a uh, the scene in the record store, the most '90s record store. Oh my ever. god, <laughs> we were like we were noting all of the albums on the back wall. I forgot that CD stores did that. They would have like displays of albums right yeah i used to have to set those up in borders oh i worked (laughs) when i worked at the borders in college like we had that set up and i had to like change out the cds we're trying to count all of the albums that we recognized that was a greatest hits it really was it was like looking into it's like looking into your uh your cd collection yeah Yeah. it's how like oasis alanis morissette tracy chapman weezer weezer Hole. hole Enya, one of my favorite Enya albums, actually. <laughs> Ooh, Yanni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually saw a Yanni al- album cover before he said it, and I was thinking, is it Yanni? And then he thought, Ooh, Yanni. That's one of those lines where, uh, watching this too, I was like, oh, I quote this movie a lot. I, and that's one of the ones I yeah. say, just apropos of nothing. <laughs> so we haven't really discussed Hopper X. Yeah. Hooper. Do, Hooper. Hooper X? Yeah. How do we feel about this character? I love him. I like him, but it does have that thing with movies and TV. This is a gay character written by a straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Too. It's yeah. very much the gay voice and the gay tones. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, but I mean, I, there's the character is so lovable and yes. so smart. I like that he's African American. He's given some like visibility for you know you got for, for gay black men. You got to give it up yep. for 90, 1997 to have a, a flamboyant gay black guy as you know the fifth lead. <laughs> and even like his whole character beat is like sticking it to like the white man. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's like it's built into his whole comic. He ha- I mean his, his whole thing is that he has to have a very butch, yes. you know, black power persona for his fans cuz he writes a he writes a, a very like afrocentric comic, but in his real personal life he's a, a more flamboyant like gay mm-hmm. guy. Um but and he talks about being a minority within a minority. 
Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, which is a thing. And But also, and I don't know if they really mention it, but he is more f- flamboyant. And I guess that's not something that really at the time they would have even mentioned because gay characters are just flamboyant. You know? Right. Like that was the only gay character <laughs> yeah. you could have. You were, it would have been more transgressive to have a gay character where it would have been like it was a, a subtler switch between the yeah. two personas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because either it's a, it's a straight actor playing gay and then they're just playing boring and not you know doing any sort of flamboyant gay voice um or just like an actual like super flamboyant character um but yeah for him to be like uh uh and they talk about that in paris is burning he's just like yeah. being like a gay black guy but also being a flamboyant gay person is like also another minority within you know because that's the whole like no f- no femmes you know yeah no fats no femmes no asians well, and the fact that that's still a discussion, too. Like, yeah. that's still a major discussion. That's a, yeah, a huge thing. And, like, there was a documentary a couple of years ago about, like, the gay voice and, yeah. you know, how true to life it is and how much uh, Hollywood using it, it as a stereotype. Do I, sound, was, do, do I sound gay? Do I is sound that, gay? Yeah, yeah. it's great. I loved it. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that his character sort of mentions uh, people coming out as gay because they think it's trendy, too. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned that to him. Yeah. See, I maybe it's my like I never had that experience, and I went to the gayest college in gay <laughs> sure. And like, if anybody was coming out, it they were not. Yeah. Doing it for the the fans, sure. they were you know. Yeah, it was real. I I witnessed a lot of coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I would imagine I would imagine. Um, he mentions to lesbianism being more widely accepted right straight men find it hot yes Mm -hmm. i mean that's it's true though you know well and that's the other double standard too of like it's really hot and it's really attractive when like she's the idea of her being with another woman but all of a sudden with her being with another man in a similar position then he freaks out because it's like my junk is the most powerful junk and i need her to love it above all other junk (laughs) i mean i feel like that's really a big Oh, it's like, a real thing. Yeah, it's a huge thing, and it's a, it's a big thing in this movie in particular. You know, he oh, does yeah. want to think that he is just like, yeah, that's one of her main points. Is just that like when you thought that I hadn't been with any other men, you were fine. Yeah, yeah. but now it's like now you're not into it. Yeah, because it's it's such a hard fantasy to sell to most men that yeah. like the idea of two dudes. Yeah. But, like, oh man, if if she had mentioned like I would like to bring another woman into yeah. this bed, he would have been. All and over she it. had a lot of sex stories. That was yeah. how we were introduced to her. It was with like sex stories of like multiple partners. So he's not he's not uh, turned off by the fact that she's experienced, yeah, or whatever word he yeah. wants to use for yeah. it in his head. Yeah, it's crazy. I I will say though, if all if this entire movie was gender flipped, I don't even think you'd get that now. Like this, I don't even think this movie would fly now if everything if it was all gender flipped. No, like a a bisexual, a gay or bisexual guy ending up with a woman. Huh? Do we need that movie? <laughs> Maybe we do. Right? Again, and I don't know if it needs to be specifically gender flipped or if we yeah. can have anything but like i feel like this idea of moving into like the non-binary and yeah like didn't we just watch that visibility that teen movie sure that was sort of like that this summer or this past spring which one giant little ones 
Well, there were there were two. But but then there was a girlfriend thrown in there though. Yeah, but I think there was just like best Judy's. We're talking about a a movie called Giant Little Ones. Giant Little Ones. I did not see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I feel like the conversation is so much broader now, but it still needs needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. And if there was a way to frame it and make it palatable for the mainstream, which mm-hmm. I don't think this movie ever was. Right. Like, I yes. don't think this was a record-breaking, everybody went to see it. Right. This was a very I think it was niche a sleeper. It made, yeah. it made back its small budget. Yeah. It probably was a quick turnaround for Miramax. I remember it was yeah. it was cool. Yeah, like it, got, it was cool. It like, got um, Joey uh, a Golden Globe nomination. Well, and wow. I, they swept the spirits that year too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I remember like like cool like hipster people yeah. liked it, and it was like it had a lot of credibility. And that I mean that's still the audience that would go see it yes. today. Yeah. If you were making a movie kind of talking about these themes, yeah, it's still going to be the kind of younger hipster mm-hmm. woke yeah. audience. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what? episode of sex in the city this reminds me of that i just recently went back and revisited <laughs> is the boy girl boy episode where carrie dates a bisexual and See, it's a guy scott is looking at me as if i'm going to back his play on this and i have seen two episodes of sex <laughs> in the city in my entire life yeah i am a def- i so, am a defective woman oh so Carrie so bradshaw is a sex columnist I've that heard, doesn't well, believe we know in oh, bisexuality and she dates a bisexual guy, and she just can't handle it. Yeah, and so, and again, like that's, that's why so I feel whack. like Alyssa's character could yeah. still be relevant and yeah. could still be having these conversations today. Yeah. And it could be interesting. It's just everyone that's surrounding her is a garbage person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and you know what? We also have just forgotten about, because we are kind of jumping around, which is fine. But this movie also opens with a prank public shooting. Oh, yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that part, I was like, oh, a gun just oh, showed up. Man. Oh, man. Yeah, in a public space, like a theater-type space, shooting and it's into done the as crowd. Like, it's done as, as like, prank. performance art, oh, almost. Man. Yeah. But, oh, Hooper would have been shot today. Yes. Oh, he would have been tackled to the ground and, yeah. like, yeah. shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. It's played off as a joke, but it's just like, whoa, those were the days, man, when you could just... Make a funny yeah. gun joke. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, Holden's like, how do you get away with that? And he's like, oh, these are blanks. Not right? fake gun. No. Not, oh, I'm going to shoot you with the water gun that this actually is. No, no, no. They're blanks, which yeah. means this is a real ass gun. <laughs> and it looks real. And, oh, yeah. you know, anybody walking, the good guy with the gun that yeah. we're supposed to rely on in these situations yeah. would have taken yeah, exactly. out. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the open carry person. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, I guess also is the joke that it's done at a graphic novel convention and it's like... Who's going to take him down? Who's going to take him down at I this guess, convention? Yeah. Or call the cops? I don't know. It's a weird scene. That's See, weird. I feel like that's almost even more dangerous because you have a bunch of people growing up on like vigilante yeah, superhero yeah. stories. Yeah. One of them would try and take him out. I mean, somebody nowadays, dressed like Batman, yeah, exactly, would go Ex- for him. Exactly. Or all the all the like uh, all the incel Joker types are going to be in there with their with their actual weapons. Yeah. Oh Lord, I have in my notes uh, Ben Affleck smoking. They everybody smoking stop yes. in this movie. Alyssa is smoking Alyssa's- in the panel. At the con. Yeah. Like when Hooper's talking, yeah, she's, she's smoking. smoking. Smoking in bed. Smoking in bed. With ashtray on his belly. Yep. Laying in bed. Yeah. Which, by the way, 
They're laying in bed, presumably after they have just done it, had sex. And she's like, I don't remember what she's wearing because I wasn't focused on her. I think she's wearing like a tank top or something. But he's wearing like boxer briefs, white boxer briefs, and a white t-shirt. Yeah. Why is he wearing a t-shirt? I feel like Ben Affleck was having some body issues. That was a choice. Because in the first sex scene too she's naked from the waist yeah, up just and boxers. he's wearing like a full t-shirt really and yeah, shirt long, long yeah. ass boxers yeah and it's like i mean i get that we always want the chick to be naked yeah he didn't have fun, the money for the personal trainer yet yeah. seriously yeah but honestly i think i feel like i would like fluffy ben affleck much better than I, do you know ben do you know yeah. why uh what i saw once upon a time in hollywood like leo's body just has this like guy body. Leo's never had a good body. He's never like he just he's has always a, been either skinny as a rail or he just, just like, has a dude body right, in that movie. Party. That yeah. like yeah, I'm a millionaire. I fuck supermodels. I don't need to be super yeah. jacked. That and he deal with it. I'm very talented. Yeah, Why yeah. do I need abs? Yeah. I can actually. But yeah, act. he just has a but an even a Romeo and Juliet. Body. Oh yeah, even a Romeo and Juliet. Just skinny dude. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, and again, and going back to my whole like defective womanness, like <laughs> I. The the jacked abs have never sure. won me over. Yeah. Just like, well, he has abs. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the the Brad Pitt and Fight Club like. I mean, like to give you some perspective, my wall when I was in high school had pictures of like Liam Neeson on it. So <laughs> you like a guy with a good, strong, broken nose. I, you know, love it. Liam Neeson is very strikingly handsome. Yeah. I love Liam Neeson. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But as a 15 year old, it was maybe a little weird. Sure. Yeah, but that's that. that's my older British dudes. Like that's where I'm at. Yeah, you didn't even go Colin Firth. Like the more like what you would. That's the one. That's, that's kind of that's, that's kind of the weird the base, old English that's like guy. The that, basic bitch yeah. choice. No, no, I was, true. Also true. I was going deep cuts. I like it. I like it. You're like what? I was just a big Schindler's List fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gave me some conflicted feelings about Ray Fiennes, but oh that's God, another right. show. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, all this the nonstop smoking in this movie they had. There was a smoke, uh, a smoking machine. There was a, a cigarette machine in, in their, their office, office slash apartment. Yeah, do they live there? I mean, how this successful is, a, is this comic? This book? is a very yeah. clean bachelor pad, too. I mean, except for the fact that one of their doors has "sex room" spray painted yeah. on I it. I feel like it, I feel like it was Jason Lee's door that said "sex room," and then Holden's door said like "don't be a dick, dick or, boy" or something. Yeah. It was Dick something was written on yeah. there. That's such a man-child job to have your protagonist be, is is comic book artists. I mean, it fits because they are both yeah. Yeah. such whiny baby. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my! one of my first notes is, oh, listen to all the petulant white men. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so many. Um, yeah, I had some questions about their, their workspace. Is it a live workspace? Do they, in fact, live there? They're, the couch... I feel like they live there. I feel like those were their bedrooms. And they can sort of flip it to be an office. Yeah. Yeah. They, they work out of it as well. Um, <clears throat> but there's a cigarette machine in there, and I thought maybe it was just for show. Like, oh, they just have this retro cigarette machine in their office. But he's trying to get cigarettes out of it at one point. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, man, this movie makes me miss my smoking days. I kept thinking about that, too, because that was right around when I was yeah, oh, yeah. a smoker. Yeah. 
And I was thinking about, too, like the scene where he's lighting her cigarette and does the thing and with breaks, the lighter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I once impressed a guy right around that time by my ability to like walk briskly down a New York street and light my cigarette <laughs> at the same time. Like he crossed the street to like tell me how impressed he was. Nice. I was like, damn, Skippy, I'm good at this. <laughs> I would never break that piece off of a lighter with my no, teeth. No, absolutely not. That's, not with my teeth. You're drinking lighter fluid yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could do That's a thing. That's a trick. You can break that thing off to make the flame go like crazy high. But um, yeah, I, I that was one thing that I always associate these Kevin Smith View Askew movies with is the incessant chain smoking. Yeah. You can hear in the Mallrats soundtrack the nonstop flicking open and closed of Zippo lighters as they chain smoke through the entire commentary. Of Mall oh rats. yeah, that Mallrats commentary is a gem. If you've never listened to it, it's I need good. To go back and, and they kind of they, they call out Shannon Doherty for being awful. Uh, yeah, and then Ben Affleck tries to play the whole card. Oh, she's not that bad. And then Kevin's like, no, she was pretty awful. <laughs> and yet she like signed on to do Clerks three. Uh-huh. Oh, is that recent? Uh huh. Like. Wow. Before they did the newest Jay and Silent Bob reboot, it was going to be Clerks 3. And, like, if you go back a little bit through Kevin Smith's Instagram, you can see him with all of these, like, view askew uh, actors sure. that he's getting back for, like, this I mean, project. Man, remember Clerks 2 was a thing? Yeah. I saw that in the theater so on opening did. day. Uh, oh, I didn't see it opening day, but I saw it in the theater. Oh, my, my nerd Kevin Smith cred runs real deep. <laughs> Rosario Dawson, what a choice. That was a choice. Yeah. What's going on with that one these days? Are you guys reading about this thing? I am. That's crazy. So crazy. Rosario Dawson. Oh, she's getting sued. She's getting sued. Why? By a former assistant that's like that's like saying that she, that they like beat him up, like all this stuff. She's like, crazy. It's well, I mean, she's from like the... She's from the Bronx, She's girl. from the Bronx. Yeah. Harmony Kareem found her on that stoop. <laughs> Said, you look like a girl on a stoop. I need that for this movie. It was for kids, right? For kids, yeah. Yep. I always like Rosario Dawson too, but now I don't know what to believe. I know, right? I'm so into her, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, you, to, I'll have to read up yeah, on it. Yeah, read about it. Well, maybe we'll post some links on the Instagram to that too. <laughs> but yeah, it was such a weird, like, just thinking about, like, kids and slackers and <clears throat> singles and, like, all of these movies coming out right yeah. in that time. I got a lot of singles vibe from this movie. Me too, especially, like, the endlessly long singing portion yeah yeah it was like okay what are we trying to be here yeah but it it's that very very much that vibe like mm-hmm. this fits perfectly in that yes. canon in that time and yeah. like it worked really i feel like it worked really well for 1997 yeah no true it did i it, i agree with that i wonder why kevin smith movies didn't rely a lot on popular music and maybe that's just maybe it was a licensing thing they just just couldn't couldn't afford it i'm sure for this one they couldn't because i feel like there is no way i cannot believe meredith brooks's bitch wasn't in this (laughs) right movie like that wasn't in there and like the scene again the scene where they're getting out of the car and like professing their love and talking about how difficult the relationship is just watch that scene and just listen to the weird instrumental choiry circusy music yeah. there's no way that was their first no. choice yeah there's another scene where it's just like this weird like lingering trumpet like kind of jazzy you're like 
what is this like film noir music that's going on? A lot of weird, like incongruous music choices that they were probably just catalog stuff that they had, or they're yeah. just like here, just throw this in. Well, I feel like especially since you, if you watch his other movies that have a bigger budget, yeah. like the music is very specific, yeah. and very referential because yeah. I feel like that's his whole shtick is right. being referential and really embracing the things that he grew up on, yeah. and you know. There's kind of none of that in this. Yeah, that's interesting. That's too bad. It probably would have made it like like it should sound like Reality Bites. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. that. It should be similar. I mean, to God, that even even Soy Meriden Axe Murderer, like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like movies. The time is like that movie was jam packed with bangers. Yeah. How was like Two Princes 90- not yeah, in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> there she goes. Come on. <laughs> what was the one? recognizable pop song that they got. Oh, was it Mighty Mighty Boston's? Oh yeah. That's right. They did get yeah. Mighty Mighty Boston's from yeah. They yeah. they blew the they blew the the sound library budget on that. And it was in Clueless already. Yep. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Oh well. I don't really I never really associate Kevin Smith movies with soundtrack though. No, and they're yeah. I mean it's never revolutionary, but yeah. it this time it stood out to me yes. a lot more. Yeah. Because even sure. in Clerks, where they were just using catalog, yeah. like, music from the, like, dark <laughs> days of cinema, yeah. um, it still sounded more purposeful. Right, right. Than these ones. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say, for having such a small budget, aside from some questionable lighting issues in the club scenes, it looked really good. Yeah. I yeah. didn't really care for the scene when they're in the car. When they're that being shot, lit by the... That's a super clunky oh. scene. Overhead car light. And it's probably one of those things, too, that they just didn't have the budget for any other set, so they just had to shoot in the car. Yeah. yeah. I know that's kind of a go-to when you're trying to save money in movies. Yeah. Just to put the scene in the car. But I feel like... If that was the case, we could there there had to have been another location that we could have cut. Well, that they get at, when they get out of the car and they walk up and down the street. That is that scene where it's, it's raining. Yeah. yeah, the street is completely empty. So they had to have blocked off that street. It's a lot easier to do in New York than okay. it is in L.A. Because if you've ever shot it in L.A., it is a huge hassle, oh, and you have to pay so much money to get the cops to come out and block the street yeah. to get. Everything cordoned off to get the releases, to get the rights to shoot that building. Yeah. In New York, it's a lot easier. Okay. Essentially, you can just show up with a camera and be like, hello, policemen. Sure. Please stop people from walking by. Or if you need people, like, everybody gets to walk. I yeah. have walked through more <laughs> movies in college. Right? Yeah. Like, somewhere in the back of, like, Little Nicky, you can probably see me, like, blearily going to class. That's amazing. I love um, that. But it's... It's so much, and you don't have to get as many permits. Sure. You don't, so it's and a that, lot easier to do there. And that scene also could have been in New Jersey because yeah. half the movie takes place in New Jersey because yeah. that's where Holden and Banky live. Which I kind of appreciate the fact that Kevin Smith, part of his backstory is that he's from um, New Jersey. Is he from, from Cherry Hill or something like that? He is from Red Bank. Red Bank. Um, and a lot of his characters reside in new jersey they don't like the city they don't like going into the city and me and my friend matt uh it, around this time frame and when we used to love these kevin smith movies we just always loved that because you know being in pasadena and being from the suburbs and stuff 
it's a hassle to go into town, you know? We're just like, oh, we got to go to L.A., fuck. Yeah. Well, here <laughs> it's know? a nightmare. Like, yeah. I will say, like, I had a friend in college, and we were in Manhattan, and she lived in New Jersey, and it was a bus. Yeah. Like, you got on a Grand Central, you took the bus, yeah. and it let you out, like, pretty near her house. Yeah. It was not a huge hassle. <laughs> it would take hours to commute <laughs> from, like, Whittier to... On uh, public transportation to like, in LA to oh, get yeah. to the suburbs, Sunset oh, Boulevard. Fuck yeah, I mean, it took hours. me thirty-five minutes to get from Burbank to like Van Nuys the other night. So yeah, yeah. So, but I just always thought that that was kind of charming that he just was like, "No, these are suburban guys. Yeah, they are going to live in Jersey, and she's in New York." And that was part of Banky's big thing was just like, "Fuck it, like the tra- like how long is it going to take us to get into town? I don't want to go into the city tonight, you know." I mean, to be fair, they were driving, so that's yeah. the whole hassle of like parking in Manhattan. Yeah, like just take the bus or the train, yeah, guys. Exactly. And <laughs> it's one of those things too. If the Weinstein's would have got their way, would they be living in a giant loft? Yeah, in Manhattan, right? That's oh, yeah. just they're just like they never they talk this? about how they afford this giant yeah. apartment. Yeah. And yeah, none of it would have been set in Jersey. Just like it would yeah. have, Manhattan yeah. is their oyster, and it's just essentially just set in a romantic comedy that's yeah. in New York City. Yeah. And the, and that's a very specific choice from Kevin Smith and somebody like yeah. that who's just like, no, I'm going to set it you know, in my hometown, and that's going to be the thing. And you make those specific choices based on your experience and all that. So, yeah, I always, I always thought that was... Well, and that's what is so jarring about that trailer again is like yeah. it sounds like a generic yes. Jennifer Aniston <laughs> rom-com and that's yeah. what what uh I found bizarre about it when I was 17 watching it oh I'm sure you're just like what is this and also going back to the movie that we just did object of my affection that's another movie that was sold very very differently oh yeah to how it actually goes down when you watch it i can remember watching that one mm-hmm. and being like what, what? <laughs> we, we went off the rails yeah. at some point did we is this a reel from another movie what's yeah, happening seriously. um but did you think but did you think it did you like what you were seeing did you were you did you feel duped did you feel like it was too weird not weird enough i definitely felt like it was too weird i think yeah I mean, being like a closeted like seventeen year old too, <laughs> that you're just like grasping your pearls when yeah. they're talking about like fisting and like lesbian sex. You're just like, oh well, my God. and Hooper like when they're in the when they're in the record store, and Hooper's like, you need to get over it, and he's and they're having their little conversation, and Hooper's like, ooh, well, big whoop, multiple sex partners. Yeah, you know, he's just like. Yeah. Get get into it, honey. Like, right. <laughs> well, and again, like, I feel like that. That's why this movie like had such a place in sure. my like spirit is because I had just moved to New York. I had just discovered like everything. Yeah, and like I was reading Dan Savage's column for oh, the first man. time. I yeah. was watching this movie. Like, worlds were being oh, man. opened yeah. to me. I don't know if I would have survived if I would have been like. 19 years old moving to Manhattan yeah. being like Swallowed a young you up. gay kid I just you out. I mean boutique like sex shops being really a, weird bars ended like. up being like a rent boy or something <laughs> I don't know who knows just just like ODing at the tunnel or something if it was still open the tunnel like, would not have been open anymore. in like 2004 <laughs> But you, yeah, that's I I think this movie was a large part of that just overall like yeah. self-transformation yeah. moment for me which for sure. I again, I can watch it now and be like, "Ooh, oh." Yeah. 
there are problems. Yeah, but yeah. I can also watch it and be like, okay, that's a valid point. Yeah. The movie is definitely on to something. Yeah. Even like we discussed before that there just wasn't the cultural dialogue to give it words. Yeah. You can yeah. tell that something was there. Oh, totally. In Kevin Smith's script. And I'd be curious to see if the script changed at all from when he first wrote it. Maybe it was there originally and they just felt like they had to take it all out. Yeah, I don't know. As they were making it and just water it down. Because that sometimes happens with movies with with characters like this. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested to hear what he would have to say about it now as well. Because, like, he talked about it in Evening With, Mm -hmm. but that was 2002. Right. And, again, we've just moved forward Mm -hmm. so much culturally that I feel like he would have some of these same thoughts yeah for sure at this point yeah i would like to think he would be a little uncomfortable with how casually he drops fag yeah too that would i'm sure he would call that out in the 2019 rewrite that's the first thing to go is just all of those yeah and binky defending saying it yeah saying like oh i can say it in the in the in my own home yeah and no you can't buddy "Mm, yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the that's like your racist uncle's yeah. Yeah. Defense right there. Yeah. Or it's, you know, that I've been saying it my whole life. Doesn't yeah. make it right? okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we we all got together. That's we all decided. We yeah, no. <laughs> it's not cool anymore, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Um Well I think overall I still like this movie. I do too. Yeah. I, I feel I like there's too. some pacing issues and yeah. I feel like there's again it's just long. some it is long. Yeah, you could, long. you could easily cut 10 minutes from this movie. At least. I'm surprised uh, a Miramax independent Ooh. comedy. They weren't like, you have to hit an hour and 40 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It's and you too, can't yeah. go over. Comedies at the, uh, of this sort are not, this is not, would not be this long today. This isn't like, by any means. this isn't like a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, I thought that's it was, like, I thought it was going to be like, that's like two hours minutes. and 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be 80 minutes and I hit play and I was like, oh, th- it is not, it is two hours. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for a full two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Pacing things. Um, but the jokes, those quotable lines yeah. are there and I was sitting there watching it just like you going, to tell myself, I know all these lines. Yeah, oh, I'm totally. I was saying to myself, I was like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I always notice the bored look in their eyes. Yeah, oh, genius. God, yeah. Still holds, <laughs> love it, <laughs> still Chef giggled. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I always. Uh, his delivery was really great at that. Mm-hmm. I always notice the bored look in their eyes. Yeah, that's that is so smart. Yeah, you know? and yeah, what's Nubian? Isn't that true? All that stuff in that scene. The binky lines are great, and it's yeah. like that's the thing. It's like, is he an asshole? Uh. Again, I feel like if you just Holden has to be a complete teardown yes. as a character, yeah. at dialogue, everything yeah. you have to tear him all the way down yeah. and rebuild him. Good job, yeah. Um, <laughs> binky, I feel like if you just cut out all of the homophobic yeah. slurs, yeah, he's probably a manageable character. Yeah, for sure. I would have liked to have seen more of an arc from him too towards the end. Yeah, would like he to agrees see the- to the threesome. This is true. <laughs> he says, okay, I think we should all have sex. All right. Who do you think is going to be the top and the bottom? I don't think they would have touched each other at all. No? If, nope. if they, had a th- if they <laughs> did have sex, they would not have touched each other at all. 
that would have been one of those. The second one of them did touch the other one, it's all it's done. It's over. Yeah. That's why they call it the Devil's Threesome. The Devil's Threesome, right there. Um, or the Devil's Triangle. The Devil's Triangle. Yeah. But then that sucks because that just means it's all on her, and what's she getting out of it? Well, that's I why don't she think did. She likes Banky. That's why yeah, she didn't agree. That with whole it. ultimatum. Oh my god. And again, like that's probably that moment for her is one that I like connected with in a big bad way this time where I'm yeah. like everything she's saying I can totally relate to in this moment yeah. and like I understand her pain I understand her frustration and I understand why she had to leave yeah like that is a pivotal moment for her yeah. and it still rings true I don't like the ending of this movie I get what they're doing but I just don't really think it lands the last scene the the where they're just like hey how's it going yeah Funny I mean seeing you here I feel like Just the scene that between knew. Holden and yeah. Banky is probably the most real they ever got with each other, yeah. and they don't speak. Yeah. yeah. Like, True. that part I liked. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the Alyssa Holden stuff is just, okay. Just some, so you turned it into a comic book. Just some yeah. guy that I yeah. knew. Thanks. Mm, ew. Yeah. This woman that, that Alyssa's with. I love that this woman is just like... I don't, I don't like comic books, and these people are weird. That guy's <laughs> got she, pointy ears. What's she it's doing like, there? Like, why are you dating a comic <laughs> book artist? And then, and then when she comes back with her water, she's all like, "Who was that?" She's at a signing, right? right? She's got another a line artist. Of, I don't know a line of people waiting to talk to her. Who was that? A fan? Somebody wanting to sign my book? And also, um, that was chasing Amy. Issue number one when he throws it down there, ah. yet it gets all the way to the end of their relationship. How the hell oh, did yeah, all of that fit a... into a single issue? That is a graphic novel, yeah. if not a multi-novel art. Yeah, it's an omnibus. Come on, guys. <laughs> Self-published, only five hundred, <laughs> only five hundred uh, copies. Oh goodness. So, so him and him and Banky just broke up then. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the other thing is like it also made their relationship unsalvageable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. At least in E2 Mama Tambien, we got to see him make out. That was hot. And And then then they they broke up. And then they broke up. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they went through with it. Come on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. seriously. I guess these straight guys, man, they can't just, like, get their shit together and move on. It's real hard. Move on. It happened. (laughs) It's not going to be like, yeah. It's like, hey, remember that girl that you used to date? That whole thing. I hated her. That was weird. (laughs) Did you think that was weird? I thought it was weird. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't end up having sex. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Neither one of us would have been very good at it. Yeah. So I forgot that that, uh, Banky and Hooper are said to have gotten together in Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, right? Yes. Okay. I have to revisit that. Should I revisit that? Um, If you just want to revisit that scene, it's at the very end of the movie. Isn't it just... It's like, just it's packed a, full of cameos. The yeah. entire yeah. thing, and this the scene where you learn that they're together is everybody coming out of the screening of Blunt Man and oh, Chronic, sure. and so they're talking about the the movie. Yeah, and you see them as a couple. Okay, what's our next Kevin Smith movie we're going to revisit? Then is it going to be Jane Silent Bob Straight Back? I don't know. That's do I finally need to watch Clerks? I mean, I would say definitely watch Clerks before you watch Jane Silent yeah. Bob oh, Straight yeah, you Back. Have to, yeah. Um. Yeah, I see, mean, I feel like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is much more a, a straight man fantasy. Yeah, for you sure. You know what's interesting? Uh, I hate to sound like a broken record with everyone when I'm talking about this book, but I 
uh, listened to it on Audible recently. The 1999 book. The 1999 book called The Best Movie Year Ever, How 1999 Blew Up the Big Screen. And the beginning of that book looks at the state of independent film and how it just sort of flatlined. Like, they stopped making money. Yeah. Like, they would buy, studios would buy these big movies out of Sundance and they just really wouldn't be successful. Well, and I they mean, would pay like millions of dollars to it, release these movies. Once I feel like once the the festivals started getting this traction and getting this reputation of this is where you go to buy your next independent yeah. film, mm-hmm. they started taking anybody. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And I feel like it probably started to happen when Chasing Amy came out. Yeah. Well, and if you look at the Independent Spirit Awards in the last few years, like how are any of these considered independent movies? Right. Like the, <laughs> a budget the, of like ten million dollars is the considered word has an changed. independent movie. The it, independent cinema is a completely different landscape. Yeah, at this and point. the book kind of it all uh, was revitalized by the Blair Witch Project. There's an interesting. Uh, yeah. There's another film podcast that I listen to called Film Spotting, and yes. the, they're doing mm-hmm. their nine from ninety nine this year and revisiting oh. nine. Movies from I've been, 1999. I've been revisiting a good handful of them. And they we've talk done a about lot that. of movies on this podcast from 1999. Yeah, and it was a stellar. Like every time they yeah. bring up a movie that they're going to review, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> it was a a movie year for everyone. There was something for guys, girls, your grandma. Oh yeah, teens, everything. But yeah, it's it is really interesting, and that book does look really good. Yeah, you should read it. It's good. I liked it a lot. I found my post. Uh, my original post from 2013 on our Empire Records sitcom episodes. <laughs> I'll, I'll be posting some of these in our story. I look forward to we'll, it. We'll talk about it after we finish wrapping this up. But, um, okay, I think we should, yeah. we should get to the bottom of this. Um, yeah, Any I think final thoughts on, on Chasing thoughts. Amy? I mean, I, I still love parts of it. There are still yeah. parts of it that I really really respond to and again like i feel like just exploring my own life in the past few years yeah there are parts that resonate even more than they did with dumb 19 year old amber who didn't know anything yeah so yeah i feel like there's i feel like there's something there yeah for sure definitely i feel like for me at the time how old i was just coming out to my friends having that kind of representation in the sitting in a movie theater It was something that you could enjoy with your friends. I knew that I was lucky. I knew that I was in L.A. in Hollywood seeing this movie, and not a lot of people were going to be able to see it. We knew we had to go all the way to Hollywood to see it. We couldn't see it just in Alhambra, like at the Atlantic Square. You know, we had to, like, go and and seek it out. But it was, like, important, and I liked that it was cool and funny and edgy and um, that it was something that I could, like, that it, it was just something to hold on to and just be like, look, there's like people on screen, like, you know, living their life. And so that was that was important for me at, at the time at, at that age. But, yeah, it, it, you know, seeing it again, it's it's quaint. Yeah. You know, it's quaint. It's, it's aged. But, you know, I'm glad it's there. I'm glad that I got to revisit this as an adult. Yeah. That yeah, definitely. I could sort of make sense of this movie that I just didn't even know what to think about when I was 17 years old. Yeah. Watching it just because I hadn't quite. Uh, lived yeah, all that much sure. that I feel like with my experience now I can definitely appreciate a lot of as- aspects of this movie and it also it invites a, 
a good conversation. Oh, too. totally. Yeah, so if you ever mm-hmm. are having a lull in a dinner party, throw this one on, pick a scene, <laughs> it'll get conversation flowing. Agreed. I mean, of at all Thanksgiving of the, this year, all there you the go. <laughs> disposable '90s romantic comedies. At least this one, uh, still kind of some hot button issues yeah. Yeah, with it that sure. are still very valid today. Yeah. Totally. Thank you for coming Thank on our you show. So much for of coming on, I enjoyed it. We so were much. debating it between chasing Amy and Hedwig. But I kind of thought Chasing Amy might have a, a insightful conversation. Yeah. yeah. We definitely had that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'll definitely come back for Hedwig. Of course. I wrote papers on it in college. Uh, I just awesome. bought the new Criterion. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We'd love for you to rate and review our podcast. Go over to iTunes. Give us five stars. Yes. All five of Do them. Do it. And um, write us a review, also, if you haven't already. And also, uh, head over to Instagram and Facebook. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay. We're also on Twitter, at MTMUGPod. That's Movies That Made Us Gay Pod uh, on Twitter. Drop us a line. Give us any suggestions for movies that you'd like to uh, see us review, listen to us review. And, um, yeah, we're very, very active on the Instagram. Yes. Follow we're us. coming up on December soon, too. Yes, we are. We'll be doing some fun Christmas movies coming up. Ooh. I like those gay Christmas movies. I might force Pete to watch The Family Stone. We'll see. <laughs> it might not happen, though. <laughs> we'll see about that. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.